busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. I want to challenge you in something. You ready? I hope you got your thinking cap on and you're in a challenging mood. I want to challenge how you see God. I want to challenge your expectations of God. I want to challenge how you expect something to happen from God. I want to shake your whole view of Christianity and how something is supposed to arrive. But more importantly, I want to shake how you feel you are supposed to arrive to something. You know, we all go through that thing where by this age we're supposed to have. And if we have that dream or whatever God put into our heart, then we want it to manifest by this time. I don't know what it is about a heart's desire, but don't we come up with a time frame or a season in our life where we just know, okay, or we're either pushing toward this is when I want this particular thing to manifest or to develop, right? I think it's just human nature to have a dream, have a plan, have a vision, and then to set a time frame to that. I want to be married by this time. I want kids by this time. I should have my house by this time. I want to be an entrepreneur by this time. Whatever tangible thing is going to happen at this time, right? And most of the things that we come up with, uh, we get there. We just don't get there in the way or the avenue that uh, we were initially expecting. Because let's be honest, if we were the co-pilot or even the pilot of our own lives, literally, it would look so different. <laughs> you know, I mean, the whole thing would be completely first class experience. You um, no jet lag. OK, beautiful weather while you're traveling. No turbulence. What in the name? I rebuke. <laughs> what was that little shaketh that I felt in the in the midst of my slumber we just feel you know peanuts uh all the the things that we like just cushioned and comforted and pink that's christianity that's the christian lifestyle right because i mean if you're close to god you know and he he's in your heart then everything that you ever wanted the way that you wanted it and the way that it should be uh displayed or is being displayed in your mind and in your heart that's the way that it should be manifested right and then sometimes don't we go back to the word like in the name of Jesus and we try to go ahead and slap on some blood of Jesus real quick on the ideals that we mustered up yeah, I am currently in a season that I'm starting to understand that God is even in the disrupted arrival. I'm in a season where I'm starting to realize that literally, I believe what the Bible says, that God is in everything and that every good thing comes from God. And that if it happened in your life, that God allowed it, he didn't orchestrate all of it, but he allowed it because he can use it for your good. Because that's what Romans 8.28 says, right? I believe this thing that I read called the Bible that says that God loves us and that he wants to give us great things and that he wants us to have an abundant lifestyle. I believe believe that this brave just awesome person named Jesus okay he went down he came back up he resurrected he did the whole thing that's why we have resurrection Sunday but Easter for you know the people who want to go ahead and boil the eggs and color them and whatnot but I believe it and so if I believe what I read then I should start to align myself to think in a different way it's just how I'm starting to feel and so when I read and I've read this with you before, but I see it so different now. When I read about 
Paul on his way to Malta, I I seen something that I haven't seen before. I want to go ahead and I want to jump right into it. You know, I read from the NLT version, right? So we're pretty much going to go to Acts 27. Uh, But this time, nope, I want to work backwards. Let's go to Acts 28. And I'm going to read the first verse. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. Two, the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. What we don't understand is uh, God is Alpha and he's Omega. And he only allows the things that are happening before and during your experiences because he knows what the end looks like. The problem is, is that uh, we have to literally control our emotions and our mental capacity and all the intricacies of us to align with the fact that even though this is uncomfortable now, even though that this is not working out the way that I want to now, that even though now is not pleasant, there's an end that's going to be worth it. The reason why I read the aftermath first is because maybe if you understood that God is already in the future of the current thing that you're facing, maybe you'll you'll go through it a little bit differently. Maybe if you knew that your end result would read a lot like once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and raining, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. But you, but you know what happened before that? Turbulence. Nobody ever really wants to go through the turbulent part, but everybody wants to get to the island. Nobody wants to get to the bumpy, uncomfortable seats. And, the, you know, that I like that particular side. I like the aisle. I like the window. Nobody wants to be cramped up in the city. But are you willing to do what it takes the way that God allowed it to be to get where God wants you to be? It's really that simple. If you journey in life and you're really journeying by yourself, then by all means, you need to be complaining the whole way through because you made that decision. You orchestrating all of it. And so you are your own alpha and omega. Have a nice day. Everything that you do is on you. <laughs> Sir, checks on you. <laughs> Tabs on you. <laughs> Life's on you. And so, yeah, have a nice day. But if you're really living for Christ, like if you're really going to be about it for the kingdom and you know, like, bro, listen, I would have did things way differently, but I am aligning myself to God. My prayers are aligned to God. I'm giving my yes and my amen to God. I'm showing up places that I wouldn't have normally shown up. I'm praying boldly. I'm doing the things. And I know for a fact that I am taking these steps because God is orchestrating it. If you can truly say that, then I want you to operate in the spirit of the shut up. Capital P at the end. And I want you to walk this thing knowing that there is a aftermath that reads a lot like once we were safe, once you got to your destination, once you were able to see what it was that you were laboring for this whole entire time, once you were able to see that, you know what, it didn't feel good, but look who God blessed you with. Look what, what God blessed you with. Look at where God blessed you. Like if you can just go ahead and get through it, don't complain, don't be upset, just have a different kind of attitude, have the end in mind. Maybe you would get through it differently. So now that I read the end in mind, let's actually go through the turbulence, shall we? The whole chapter beforehand, Acts 27. So to give you some backdrop, uh, 
Paul and them was getting ready to go ahead and go to some place, right? Them boys was like, hey, we getting ready to go ahead and sail this way. Paul was like, I don't think y'all should do that. Uh, it don't look like it's going to look like it's going to be some storm and some rain and some. And they were like, no, we're going to go ahead and go. So there was an argument on like, where do you think we should go? So Acts 27 verse 10 literally says, men, he said, I believe there is shovel ahead if we go on shipwreck, loss of cargo and danger to our lives as well. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. I mean, in retrospect, real talk, I will listen to the people who who do this all the time, too. I'm not going to listen to the person that, bro, you just your first time on this boat. Have a nice day. I get it. But sometimes God's anointing is not uh, logic. Maybe that's why he said in the Bible, mm, around Proverbs so so, uh, lean not on your own understanding, perhaps. I don't know. Who am I? <laughs> Just a reader of the Bible. But let's proceed. Uh, so he gave them a warning, right? Uh, and what you don't know when you go back and read your own Bible is that he literally verbatim said what was going to happen. And actually everything that he said did happen. But I want to read to you <laughs> what actually happened uh, during that time, during the storm at sea is how it's titled. Man, oh man, uh, the shipwreck that occurred. Something to really sit back and, and just, wow, God, like I don't, this is kind of different. So let's go ahead and just read about the shipwreck because we already know they went through some stuff, right? They went through the, the storm at the sea. And so now we're going to read at the point that it actually is, is the shipwreck. So 27. About midnight, pause. What is it with God in midnight? Late in the midnight hour, God's gonna turn it around and around and around and around and around. Yeah. All right, I had to do that. But um, that's what it says. So 27. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found that it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would be soon driven across the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. 30. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as, they, as though they were going to put anchors from the ship in the front. 31. But Paul said to the commanding officers and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and they let it drift away. Pause. <laughs> and that's something about God. He will make you release everything that you found security in until you realize that he is your source. Oh, you find uh, safety in the uh, lifeboats? Let it drift away. If you continue to live life where you go through it the way that you deem to be the safest, you will lose the anointing that God had on that situation. Paul had to tell them, folks, I know that you see security in that lifeboat, but I see death because you are stepping outside of what God wants you to do. I know you probably think that he's your husband, sis, but God don't look at men on the outside. In 1 Samuel 16, it says he looks at his heart. I know that you're probably tired of her, sir, and you're like, you know what? I'm probably going to go ahead and end this covenant. But what you don't know is that uh, you are allowing the enemy to frustrate you where God wanted you to cultivate her. Yeah, I know that you're looking at this job like I'm completely and utterly the over it. <laughs> I don't get paid what I'm worth. I don't, you can build up the best case in the world, and you're right. 
But if you step out of this boat because you see a better opportunity that looks like a lifeboat, you're going to be shipwrecked. Do you understand that? Okay, let's proceed. 33. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. 34. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads would perish. 35. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Hmm, who does that sound like? A little bit of Jesus? Mm-hmm. 36. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. 37. All 276 of us who were on board, 38, after eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat aboard. (laughs) Read that again. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. (laughs) Again, anything that you think is going to give you strength, God wants you to release that. Let me explain something to you. The Bible says to love God with all your mind, all your soul, all your heart, and all your strength. Anything that competes with that, anything that looks like you give, you are sustaining or getting your heart from something, or you are looking at something as if this is why, this is how you get your strength. This is how you get your, God is like, okay, so let that go. Because if I am not your ultimate source for everything then you have an idol and he's a jealous god and so you're going to have to figure that out can you imagine i think the bible purposely let us see that there was 200 (laughs) that there was 276 men because if it was just like three people and y'all just threw overboard three people worth of food okay But can you imagine being so worried, not eating for two weeks, and then you throw overboard food that would have fed uh, 276 plus people? Like, are you, that's a little difficult to do. But is it though? Like, are you willing to do the things that God is asking you to do as you travel down the path that God wants you to be in, even if it doesn't make sense to you? Like if he literally is saying on a boat that you don't know where you're at, where you're going. And he's like, okay, that food supply, throw it off. What I love about this is that it actually shows that they were willing to do whatever they needed to do to adjust to make their particular journey lighter. I know initially you had a plan to get from here to there with all your cargo, with your lifeboat, with all the food. I know that. But are you brave enough and wise enough that as you start to see that the journey is is shifting, are you brave enough and wise enough to adapt to whatever's going to make this journey lighter with the circumstances that is happening now? Maybe a couple of whatever kilometers ago, you didn't have to put the food overboard. Clearly, because y'all went two weeks without eating and it's been there that whole time. God bless it. I hope it wasn't mold, but you know, it's between them and the Lord. Okay. Those are the kind of grandbabies they were. But when you start to look at your situation and go, okay, so something has changed and it requires you to change. Are you wise enough to adapt to that change? What would have happened if they decided, no, I'm keeping all the food. (laughs) 
I'm keeping all the cargo and I'm keeping all the lifeboat. It's like, okay, so you're trying to hold on to, again, what we discussed before, your ideals. You're trying to hold on to your life. And the Bible says that whoever holds on to his life, he loses it. Because on this journey with God, you're going to have to let some stuff go. I know that you saw that working out differently. I know you did. Let it go. If it makes your journey in the current season that you're in now lighter, let it go. My gosh, will you please understand the deacon Elsa was onto something? Let it go. Had to. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Let it go so that you don't lose what's really important in the midst of that. And catch that. The lifeboat wasn't important. The cargo wasn't important. The, the food wasn't important. It was important to stay in this particular boat, to remain in this particular boat, to sustain this particular journey, to stay on this particular path the way that God wanted you to do it. Are you getting that? I pray that the Holy Spirit is telling you stuff as I'm speaking and you're like, okay, can you go on because you're making me uncomfortable? Okay, I just want to make sure that you get it. Because 276 people watched their what they thought was going to sustain their strength go overboard. 38. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. 39. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. But they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. 40. So they cut off the anchors and left and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards shore. 41. But then they hit a shawl and ran the ship aground too soon. <laughs> the bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break. You, you ever uh, made a, a, a pre-calculated miscalculation? Yeah, you ever uh, did something that was premature, thinking that you were doing something great? All of this reads as somebody coming up with a great idea and never co-signing or asking God, hey, is this a good idea? How are you going to make a decision for something you don't recognize, sirs? The Bible says that when morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. You don't recognize it, but you're starting to make fast decisions about it? You mean to tell me, ma'am, you've never been at that job before? You've never been in this season of your life before, but you're trying to make real fast decisions by yourself. You're not even asking God. You're not asking God to bring any wise counsel in your life. You're not, you really trying to make this a one-on-one, you just a one-man band kind of situation. What, sir, what are you doing? Sir, you have never been in this level of development in your life. And so you're trying to make decisions by yourself, quick ones, in areas of your life that you don't recognize. Does that say something? And I guess, we, you know, you should feel some way because you're like, listen, I should know myself well enough to know what's going to work for me. I should know. But, but guess what? The people who were on this ship with, with um, Paul, right, um, they weren't first time, uh, you know, this wasn't their first time seeing the sea. Yeah, that's why the Bible says when we read it earlier that they didn't take, initially they didn't take Paul's advice. 
He listened to the captain. and So I would think that the captain would have a lot of experience in recognizing coastlines, right? So what do you mean you didn't recognize it? Because just because you're familiar with something doesn't mean that you've mastered it yet. And just because you've mastered it doesn't mean that you know what to do in different seasons. Different seasons of life requires different things from you. Please don't cut and paste what you did five and seven years ago in this new experience because you just, I did it before like that, so I'm going to do it again. Can I say something? Oh, wait, I think I... I I kind of have an idea of what to do because I had a similar experience. Can I tell you that that's probably going to um, leave you shipwrecked? Yeah, uh, I'm going to need you not to copy copy and paste from nobody else's marriage. I'm going to need you not to copy and paste from nobody else's finances. I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to look up and ask God and then look to your right at the Holy Spirit and say, all right, coach, so what do I do? Your familiarity is not enough for you to make a whole decision about your life. Okay? Even more, when you are clear that you don't recognize something, please stop running full speed ahead. You're not doing your due diligence asking questions about nobody, nothing, and it's leaving you with a sting. I'm going to need you to do your due diligence. When you are in real estate and you go ahead and you look at a house that you like, them, them folks give you 7 to 10 business days, okay, to go ahead and, and do some research. Look at the areas. Look at the neighbor, the neighborhood. Look at your neighbors. You know, go in the morning. Go at night. All these different things because you're getting ready to make a permanent decision about where you're about to reside. So you need to make sure that you make the decisions or that you do the due diligence that support your decision. If it takes due diligence to choose a place to live, doesn't it take to due diligence to live? Like, I, why are you making that decision? What facts do you have behind that? It's either one or two things behind a decision. It's facts or it's faith. Literally, it's one or two things all the time. You have enough facts to go ahead and make a sound, wise decision from what God has presented to you or what you've been presented with. Or you don't have the first clue, but you know what? For some reason, you have the unction in to go this way. And both work. You just need to really be keen on which one do you choose at what particular time. They're both tools, but you don't you don't put band aids on um, headaches. You see what I'm saying? It's in the first aid, but that's not the one you're supposed to be using for that particular situation. You feel me? Okay, because I want to make sure because you're looking at me funny. So forty one. Because these folks went ahead and made a decision. That's fine. We're going to go back to that. But they hid a shawl and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. 42. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. 43. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Can I say something? (laughs) And I kind of told you this before. You don't realize sometimes that you are the anointing and the blessing that the location needed. You know how many times in the Bible, and that always gives me this feeling of like, wow, God, because I feel like we live in such a society that we make really, really fast decisions for the safety of ourselves. And what you don't realize is that God is doing something in a whole nation, in a whole family, in a whole organization, in a whole relationship just because you carry the anointing. 
God will shut down a whole world <laughs> because you have financial woes to make sure you get the stimulus package. And just because you happen to live in that side of the world, um, yeah, so everybody else is going to get that anointing with you. Like, I know that probably sounds like, what? That doesn't make any, but you have no idea how increase follows you. And so people are just benefiting because you are there. The anointing follows the person. The person is in the environment. Guess what? When, and go back with me. You remember when Paul and Silas was in the jail? Did the, uh, at the midnight hour, did the jail doors only open for Paul and Silas's door? No. But he said the whole earthquake opened all the doors. Again, we need to stop operating so fast, so soon, so, and just let the anointing do what it's supposed to do. 276 men were on that boat. God let all their lives be saved because he was, the anointing was on Paul. He was concerned about Paul. The anointing was on Paul, so everybody around Paul gets saved because um, that was God's goal. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. 44. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. What happens before safety? Sometimes you arrive in, in, in pieces, right? But I, I, I want to change that for you. Just because the people on that ship arrived on pieces didn't mean that they arrived in pieces. And I want you to catch that. So many times we go through the turbulence of a situation and we arrive with the turbulence within us. Instead of taking pieces of that turbulence and letting it propel us to safety where God wants us to be. Do you understand that something can break for your good? I'm going to snap to that. Do you understand that something can break for your good? That's a word right there. I'm sure that the folks that initially got on that boat, they wasn't probably prepared to swim, okay? Uh, swim the rest of this way? I don't understand what's going on here. And if I was in that particular boat, I would have been one of the ones that would have had to stay and grab onto a plank because swimming is not in my toolbox yet. But can you imagine other people getting ahead of you? Other people looking like they're going to be safe and get their arrival before you. But understanding that just because you're arriving on a piece doesn't mean that you're not going to be in one piece. Because you are literally following the king of peace. Like, do you get that? Do you get that how you started something may not have the whole thing didn't turn out the way that you want, but look how it ends. So everyone escaped safely to shore. Was the goal to arrive somewhere or was it to be safe the whole entire time? Was the goal to arrive there with all the cargo, all the lifeboats, all the food, all the, was the goal to get there whole or was it to get there safe? Like You can look at it so many different ways, but I'm starting to see that God just really wanted to strip a few people of everything that they put their confidence in to show them it don't matter what happens. If 
I say you're going to be safe, you're going to be safe. I don't care what it looks like. If I said you're getting that promotion, you're getting that promotion. I don't care what it looks like. If I said that you're getting that house, happy first home buyer, <laughs> happy second home buyer, however you want to do it. If I said you're going to be an entrepreneur, stop looking at your bank account. I don't care what it looks like. If I said it, then it's happening. And just because it's not looking like in the midst of it, the way that you thought, guess what? You still going to arrive on my promise. Paul told them people a little while ago, we're going to arrive, but we're going to arrive shipwrecked. I'm sorry, God told you? I rebuked that in and No, because we, we, we got to go ahead and reap what we sowed. We went the wrong way. <laughs> and God is not a man that he going to stand in front of that. We got to go ahead and, you know, we got to so, reap that. But um, God is also a man that he wants to make sure that he keeps his word. And I'm, I'm, he going to make sure that I'm good. And just because y'all around me, y'all going to be good. So, like, that's just how that's going to go. It's very different the way that we look at stuff. We just need to look at things very different. And, and sometimes people can look at that whole thing like, that can't be God. Why would he let the, the ship do that? And how come he would let the... But you know what, the, what we're missing? God gave them a heads up before it ever happened. And I told you this before, and I stand by it. I don't believe that anything happens in our life that was a, a, a super surprise. I think God literally gives you soft and harsh nudges at times. But you know, the blessing is in the prepping. The blessing is in the heads up. Jesus said, listen, I'm going where my father is. I'm going I'm going to build, you know, some mansions for y'all. Where I'm going is many mansions. And if it wasn't Saul, witness said so. So I believe in my heart that because he gave us the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, that we will never walk this earth and not know what's to come and not be prepared for what's to come. I don't believe that. If that's the case, I don't think Jesus would have left us because that would have made us orphans. You left us unattended with no information. We don't know what to do. No, and we're not that. We are his children. We are God's children. And he's a good dad. And if he said that it's going to be okay, then it's going to be all right. The way that the deacon Kendrick Lamar said, okay? Stop looking at the process and remember the heads up he gave you in the intro remember what he told you remember that promise that he gave you remember that download that he put into your heart remember that thing that you feel in your soul remember that I don't care what it looks like in the midst of you're going to get that even if it don't look like the way that you thought you still get there you still get there even if it's on a piece but you determine if you arrive in pieces do you understand that? All right, look. Um, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm -hmm, I do. You know what these conversations are, though, right? They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that nobody else is going to have with you but who your favorite homegirl. Who else is going to brew their own tea? Okay, um, Pour you some. Make sure it tastes delectable to you. And then drink it with you. Who else but me? Who else but your favorite homegirl? You understand? All right, but I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Uh, I do feel my stomach growling low-key. I don't want to say nothing, but uh, it is time to go. So I'll holler at you. We talk again later. Pinky promise? Okay. I'm, I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> later. <laughs>